Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. The NFL is on fire right now. Unbelievable Sunday across the board. Anything can happen. This is as good of a down-the-stretch playoff race as I can imagine in a very long time. Every team that makes the NFC playoffs could go to the Super Bowl. Every team that makes the AFC playoffs, and we don't know exactly who that will be even at this point because we've got such a battle down the stretch for the AFC playoff race, could make the Super Bowl. And the games themselves are flat-out extraordinary. Uh, We've talked about them a lot already in Hour 1. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure that you don't miss any of this show as you wake up across the nation. Appreciate you spending your Monday morning with us. But I want to give you several of the wild endings that we heard from a variety of different perspectives. And we start with the Miami Dolphins hosting the New England Patriots. It looks like the Patriots have got this game wrapped up. Only 16 seconds left to play, I believe, when uh, this play begins. Let's listen first to the Miami Dolphin radio broadcast. And in particular, I want you to listen to how disgusted and just done with this game the Miami Dolphin broadcaster sounds like as this play begins and listen to how his tone changes. This is the Miami Dolphins radio broadcast. Daniel, last shot, back to throw. They throw it down. They try to pitch it, and they do to Parker. Parker pitches it, and it's Greg, Greg, 30, 20. Greg Pounce has got a tackle. Oh, no, no way. way. No he way. Got no way. way. What the hell? The Dolphins win. Unbelievable. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh. 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 That is unbelievable. I don't believe what I just saw. I, I want to play that one again because 
the just uttered contempt that this broadcaster has for his team at the start of this play is phenomenal as you see his excitement grow throughout that play. Just listen to closely to this. This is a Miami Dolphin radio broadcast. Tell me this guy is not hating his team, his job, his life, everything about this situation. And look at how quickly his perspective changes as Kenyon Drake gets into the open field and eventually fakes Rob Gronkowski out of his out of his shoes. I thought for a minute there Gronk had like torn his ACL trying to make the, the, the tackle as the safety valve down the stretch here. But listen to the open of this play and tell me this man is not done with life prior to uh, about halfway through this uh, this 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 final play. Daniel, last shot, back to throw. They throw it down. They try to pitch it, and they do to Parker. Parker pitches it, and it's Drake. Drake, 30, 20. That counts. He's got a tackle. Oh, no, no way. way. He no got way. the answer. No way. What the The Dolphins win. Unbelievable. Are you kidding me? Oh. Oh. That is unbelievable. I don't believe what I just saw. I can't even think of the analogy there in the trajectory of emotions that that guy goes from. That's like uh, it's like a kid waking up and thinking that it's a normal school day, and then suddenly he realizes, wait a minute, it's actually Christmas morning. Uh, now that was uh, misery to joy in the space of about 20 seconds. Here's the opposite. And by the way, we're playing the New England Patriots audio broadcast here, but you should know there's like a full minute of silence that we cut out. And by we, I mean our audio people. When the uh, touchdown happens, neither Patriots, uh, the guy who's calling the game, neither one of them speak for a full minute because they're just sitting there in stunned disbelief over what they have just seen. And so it's literally silence, and we cut out all the silence which is pretty remarkable um, and when you listen to it. And you can hear it online a bunch of different places. But here is the Patriots radio broadcast, one of the most extraordinary endings to an NFL game that we have seen. All we needed was the band on the field uh, to have a Cal Stanford repeat. But here is what it sounded like from the New England Patriots radio network. At the 15-yard line, Tannehill throws down the middle, caught by Stills, laterals back to Butler, or rather Parker, who flips it to Drake. He runs across the 40 of New England, angling inside oh, to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. He's going to win the foot race to the end zone. The Dolphins are going to win it on the lateral. Once, then twice, and Drake takes it in, and the Patriots stand stunned in disbelief. I, I don't, I don't know what to say. The Dolphins on the old hook and lateral plays, lateraling it twice, initially to Stills, then to Parker, off to Drake. And with Gronkowski, the last man back defensively for the Patriots. Never seen anything like it. Really on the field is confirmed. It is a touchdown. This is inexplicable. I mean, you had two guys outside bracketed him at the 10. You had Gronkowski deep. He almost blows his knee out trying to get to the sideline, and then he turns the corner. And as much sports as that last play will linger is really one of the the worst memories in Patriots history, at least with the oh, recent past. That summarizes everything down here. It really does. Even the Dolphins have won it yeah. over the Pats, 34-33. to 33. See, and this is, I think, emblematic 
of everything that went on in the NFL. I'm going to play a couple of other crazy endings for you. But to me, this is emblematic of everything that happened in the NFL and why this season is so wide open. This doesn't happen to the New England Patriots. The Patriots might lose, but they don't lose in an undisciplined, absurd, thoroughly ridiculous situation like that. That just doesn't happen to a Bill Belichick coach team. And we didn't play you the end of the first half, but the reason why the Dolphins were even in position to be able to win the game as they did was because of the uh, decision by Tom Brady to take a sack at the end of the first half. The wheels are maybe not off on the Patriots franchise right now, on their dynasty, but they're awfully wobbly. Now, we'll see. Maybe they'll come back in what is going to be a massive game against the Steelers. And one reason why it's going to be a massive game is earlier in the year, we were like, oh, this Patriots-Steelers game in Pittsburgh is going to decide who has home field advantage. Now, if you're the Steelers, it may decide whether or not you're going to make the playoffs, period, because you have got now the Patriots and the Saints in back-to-back weeks And that is uh, awfully ominous, given how things have been going so far. And in particular, the Steelers went on the road. They were in Oakland playing against a 2-10 team, trying to kick a tying field goal. And this is what it sounded like. This is Brent Musburger on the radio, uh, the Raiders radio network on the call. Listen to this. Here is Boswell to tie it and send us to overtime. This will be a 40-yarder. He's missed a 37-yarder earlier today. Snap, hold, he slips, he slips. The Raiders win it. The Raiders win it. Can you believe it? Oh, my. The Raiders are a winner. Let the celebration begin, baby. I've never seen anything like this. What an exciting game. That is pretty wild. All right, we're not done yet with crazy endings. Because we also had a crazy ending in Kansas City. They converted two different fourth downs. This was the wildest of the conversions. Fourth and nine, Patrick Mahomes rolling to his right. He's kind of in a desperate situation. He throws it up to Tyreek Hill. This is what it sounded like on the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Fourth down and nine. Chiefs at their own 40 down, 24 to 17. 129 to go in the game. Mahomes out of the shotgun, where to his right. Mahomes holding into the pocket, scrambling to the right side. Still scrambling. Now he throws it late, he's throwing for Tyreek Hill. He's got the catch! He's at the 20, at the 25-yard line! Now inside the 15 and out of bounds, down at the Raven 12. Unreal! Now they went on to score on a fourth down play, then got a sack and uh, got the fumble against Lamar Jackson, missed the field goal at the end of regulation, made a field goal, and then got away potentially with a pass interference call uh, on the final play of the game. The Chiefs survived, take a stranglehold, you would think, on uh, the AFC when it comes to the overall number one seed in the playoffs. But they also looked a little bit wobbly. And then finally... What an unbelievable game it was between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Cowboys with their most yardage going all the way back to 1978, tied for the most yards so far this season in any NFL game. Jerry Jones looks like a genius in making the decision to trade a first-round pick for Amari Cooper because this Dallas Cowboy franchise is completely different right now than they were 
before they had Amari Cooper. He has been the difference maker. They have won five games in a row. They are five and one since they traded for Amari Cooper, sitting at eight and five now. If you weren't watching in overtime, the Cowboys got the possession first, didn't give the ball back to the Eagles, drove down the field, almost used the entirety of the 10-minute overtime. Third down, Dak Prescott drops back to pass, and this is what it sounded like. Prescott in the gun. They look like they're going to blitz. Here comes everybody. Slant in the direction. Cooper caught it on the bounce. Off the defender. Cooper walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Cooper. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game besides the ball bouncing off a defender into Amari Cooper's hands and him walking in for the winning score? Now, let me say this about the Dallas Cowboy game. I think that as good as the NFL has been this year, the most glaring issue is the officiating. And I think and I've been on this for a while and I'm going to keep climbing on this soapbox to make this argument. I think you should be able to challenge judgment calls when a judgment call is clearly wrong. Everything about officiating is a judgment call and there was a, a totally blown call. There were a couple, I mean that were very questionable, but the offensive pass interference that was called against the Philadelphia Eagles on what would have been like an 80-yard touchdown pass to uh, one of their tight ends was inexcusable. It was a thoroughly blown call. They will watch it, and they will tell the Eagles when they review all these calls, yeah, we got that one wrong. Well, if you can tell that you got it wrong when reviewing the play after the game, why can't you review it in real time and say, yeah, that was an errant call? Every call is a judgment call. So I think you should be able to challenge plays like that, which are clearly not correct calls. I don't understand why we should allow an official to make an errant call that potentially swings the entire outcome of the game and say, oh, well, that's a judgment call. Everything's a judgment call. We can tell whether your judgment was good or not. Did somebody get two feet down with possession is a judgment call, just like was that pass interference. Why shouldn't you as a coach get, let's say, one one challenge a a game where you can challenge a judgment call? The coach would have to hold it and decide whether or not it was worth challenging. And then you go back and you look at it and you say, okay, that was the wrong call. Because I think in that situation – that was the wrong call. And, and by the way, if you were watching that game between the Cowboys and the Eagles, they also missed a targeting. That tight end got absolutely lit up on the catch. Should have been a targeting call, helmet to helmet. And instead, he got hit with an offensive pass interference call, which is totally the wrong call. Just unbelievable to me. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I think we're probably going to see down in Miami. I think there's a good chance we see what happened back in the day when Vince Young didn't win the Heisman Trophy and then uh, Texas went out and beat USC. I think Alabama is going to be able to, uh, Nick Saban's going to be able to play the disrespect card No one believes in you. They think Kyler Murray is going to run all over you. And I think the Alabama defense is going to come out and obliterate that Oklahoma offense. That's my early prediction on it. Kyler Murray wins the Heisman Trophy. And unfortunately, 
almost immediately we end up in this same place where I've found ourselves over and over again. Dante DiVincenzo has a great national title game. Villanova wins the championship. Almost immediately, adults start going through their Twitter feed to find out whether or not they've ever said anything appropriate when the inappropriate when they were teenagers. Josh Allen is about to be drafted uh, as a top 10 draft pick. Somebody goes through his Twitter feed, finds inappropriate tweets from when he was a teenager, and saves them until the morning of the NFL draft to try to turn it into a story and sabotage him. This doesn't happen just in the world of sports. We had Kevin Hart named as the next Academy Award host of the Oscars, and then people went back through all of his old tweets and said, oh my God, look at some of the things he tweeted a decade ago. This is unacceptable. Here is what I think we need to establish as adults in America today. One of the problems with social media is there's no history of social media existing. And so there isn't really a set template for what is a story and what is not a story for major media outlets. What I would suggest is this. Any tweet sent before a person is a adult is not a tweet that is worthy of being considered a legitimate story by a major news organization. Earlier this year, Drew Locke, who is going to be maybe a first-round draft pick, had to apologize for tweets that he sent in eighth grade. Kyler Murray had to apologize for tweets he sent when he was 14 or 15 years old. This, to me, is shameful behavior by the media, and it needs to stop. And let me explain what I mean. We have decided as a society that for the most part, if you commit a crime before you are 18 years old, we wipe that crime clean and it's never able to be attached to your name as an adult because we believe that juveniles should not be responsible for every decision that they make because they're young and they are dumb when they are 14, 15, 16 years old, sometimes younger than that. And I think everybody out there listening right now would acknowledge that you probably did and said stupid things. Your high school years, like mine, like everybody's, are probably filled with a lot of stupid decisions. If we as a society, having sat around and made reasonable decision-making, For generations have decided, you know what, we're going to treat juvenile crime different than we're going to treat adult crime. There is a significance, we believe, between being a minor and being an adult. And so if you get charged with robbery when you are 15 years old or theft or anything else, that criminal charge will not follow you into adulthood, presuming that you learn from that mistake and manage to put your youthful errors behind you. If we as a society are making that decision, when it comes to actual crimes that are being committed by 15, 16, and 17-year-olds, why in the world are we treating tweets that kids send as legitimate front-page news stories 
in our modern day media. If we're willing to forgive robbery, theft, assault that happens that are actual physical crimes, these shouldn't be stories. When it comes to juvenile tweets, these shouldn't be stories. We are getting it wrong and reasonable and intelligent people need to ask the question, if we have decided that juvenile records are sealed and should never be public, if we don't allow actual crimes to be public, why are we covering the tweets that a 14 or 15-year-old send before they become famous as news stories? Cleanse all of your old tweets. Just do it. I think that's a smart play regardless as you get to be 18. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We bring in Alex Marvez, find out uh, what he thinks about the NFL action. So, Alex, I am saying that whichever of the 12 teams make the playoffs in both the NFC and the AFC, I don't remember a more wide-open year for the NFL playoffs where legitimately, if your team makes the playoff, you can have out hope that they make the Super Bowl. Am I crazy, or are you of the belief that this is as wild and as open of a season potentially as we've seen in a long time? Can it be both? Because I do believe you are crazy, but on top (laughs) of that, though, I believe it is also a wide-open playoff field. And listen, it starts with the Patriots, right? Because for the first time in a long time, it just you, you sit there and you say, hmm, can New England really get the job done? You know, I know that South Florida is a house of horrors for them, and you saw it again yesterday, where incidentally, by the way, the Dolphins outpatrioted the Patriots, and I'll tell you why. Brandon Bolden scores on a 54-yard touchdown run. This is a former Patriots player uh, you know, who signs with the Dolphins because of his special teams prowess. Bryce Butler, signed off the street a couple weeks ago, has a touchdown catch. I mean, this is sort of what the Patriots do, right? Bring in guys from you know free agency off the street, etc., and turn them into something. The Dolphins did that yesterday, and of course the Patriots outthinking themselves at times. You know, in the final play, you take out Devin McCourty, one of the best safeties in the game, and you sub him with Rob Gronkowski because you believe that Ryan Tannehill can throw the football 80-something yards in the air on the final play. He is no Dieter Brock, my friend. He is also coming off of a shoulder injury. So, you know, that's it was a silly play to put Rob Gronkowski out there to try to bat a play down. Tom Brady loses track of how many timeouts they have at the end of the first half. New England, you know, they slipped. And, look, they're still a good team, a dangerous team, but they have never reached a Super Bowl in the Belichick-Brady era when having to leave Foxborough, Kansas City, if they win two of their final three games, they get home field advantage. And let's not sleep on the L.A. Chargers either, a team that actually has a better record than New England right now. If they beat Kansas City, they go on to a good mark, they're going to be the ones that end up with home field advantage. And if New England is able to make it to a to a conference championship game and either KC or LA holds on to that home field, Pats aren't going to be in the comfy confines of Gillette Stadium. All right, let's go to the AFC playoff picture right now. Um, and first of all, in the AFC, we have, you just mentioned the Chargers versus the Chiefs down the stretch, and we'll see what happens there on Thursday night, whether the Chargers can make a, uh, a run in the AFC West or if the Chiefs go ahead and close the door. But the AFC North, What's up with the Steelers and also with the Ravens? How is their quarterback situation going to play itself out the final three weeks of the season? There's a lot of drama right now in the AFC North. 
Yeah, and you know, in Pittsburgh's case, you know, that just the bottom is falling out, and you know, they have some issues, obviously, on the defensive side of the football. When the pass rush isn't able to get there, I mean, that the defense, the back end, just continues to get picked apart. I think one of the bigger concerns too, you have two of them on the offensive side of the football. No James Conner yesterday, so they had to be so pass heavy, you know, and and they weren't able to carry the day. And Ben Roethlisberger, he's he's banged up. You know, you could tell it's almost like Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers right now. This, this isn't the Cam that we've seen through the years. The shoulder injury is affecting him. And for Ben Roethlisberger, he is making easy throws difficult. You saw the catch, the amazing catch that Juju Smith-Schuster made in the back of the end zone yesterday against the Raiders. He had to do a tippy-toe deal because Ben threw the ball so high, Juju had to, had to jump up, grab it, get back down, and score. I mean, you saw Ben a couple weeks ago against Denver, missing a, you know, making a terrible decision on the goal line. Obviously gets knocked out of the game yesterday with a rib injury and comes back. I just think it's an incomplete offense. It's an incomplete defense. It's probably going to lead to an incomplete season, and they're in desperation mode as they host the New England Patriots on Sunday. As for Baltimore, we'll see how this Flacco drama plays out. Do you know John Harbaugh bought himself another week with Lamar Jackson? I mean, you're just limited in the things that you can do on offense with Lamar because he is, you know, a rookie quarterback who, who just maybe isn't as advanced as the other rookies, some of them the other rookies who are starting. All that being said, though, you look at the path that Baltimore has to take, hosting Tampa Bay at the Chargers home against Cleveland. They can win two of those final three. You're sitting there at nine and seven, and that may be good enough to win the division with the Steelers having to play the Patriots Sunday at home, a team that always gives them trouble. Then at New Orleans week 16, and that Saints team ain't slowing down, followed by the Bengals at home. Baltimore has that path to the division title and that number four seed in the AFC. Who would you pick right now in that Sunday afternoon game, which we thought was going to be potentially for home field, and now it might be for the Steelers (laughs) actually making the playoffs? Uh, Would you take the Patriots or would you take the Steelers right now? I would take the Patriots just because of what history has shown me about them. The Steelers, year after year, have no answer for Rob Gronkowski. Although, as we can see, this isn't the same Rob Gronkowski. It's like 80% Gronk. You know what I mean? It's like he ate a Tide Pod. It's just, it's just not the same type of guy. Uh, but, again, the Steelers have had no answers through the year for this team. But I will tell you, desperation mode for both. Bill Belichick is going to be grinding on these guys this week. The Steelers understand the significance. If they lose again to the, to the Patriots at home, it's just, it's just demoralizing for them and with New Orleans on the horizon. And of course, they'll play when it comes to this game. We got to see what the status is of James Conner. If he is still unable to play because of that ankle sprain, well, it's going to be a huge blow because you become one-dimensional and then the Patriots can really focus on stopping the other guys in that offense. Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and you know, those are the two guys that they can focus on now. You don't have to worry about a running game. It makes it that much harder for the Steelers to win. Would you say you've covered the NFL for a long time? that the addition of Amari Cooper for the Dallas Cowboys is the best in-season trade you have ever seen? I'd have to look back upon 24 years of doing this and in-season trades, but I will tell you that it is surely not a bad one. And here's an interesting stat for you. Amari Cooper, since arriving with the Dallas Cowboys in Week 9, has more receiving yards than any other player in the NFL. 40 catches, 642 yards, and six touchdowns. In Oakland, to start the season, in the first six games, 22 catches, 280 yards, and one touchdown. And, I mean, look, it, it's a shock to probably even, – even Jerry Jones may tell you, I thought Amari Cooper would be good but maybe not this good. He has changed the complexion of this Cowboys offense. He is a home run threat. He has the speed to be able to take it to the house. He's been consistent catching the football. And I think the big thing, too, and this wasn't necessarily Amari's fault in Oakland, but he's not disappearing in the offense. You know, in Oakland, there'd be times that you'd go a stretch. Amari might get one target. I mean, you know, and I understand defenses are plotting 
take him out of the game, but you still got to find a way to scheme it up so that he's able to get his, his, the ball thrown to him. That wasn't happening in Oakland. And I think, too, this was a real kick, kick in the tuchus to him to get traded and for the Raiders to say, you're not part of our rebuild. You know, see you later. I think that it motivated this young man as well. So it has truly sparked this Dallas Cowboys team. By the way, let's not give any short shrift to the way Dak Prescott is playing either. How about this? Since 2016 play, the most wins by a starting quarterback in the NFL, Tom Brady has 32. Believe it or not, Dak Prescott, 30. Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, those guys all have less than 30 wins. Dak has 30. All right, so in the NFC right now, how significant in your mind was the Rams' loss to the Bears? Is this emblematic of larger issues that are going to start to rain down on that Rams' offense? Or is this just a sign that in Chicago, at night, cold weather, it's not the Rams' cup of tea and they don't need to worry about it too much? They know they get a bye, probably. Uh, they know they're going to be playing the first uh, week of the of the season, in the, in the postseason, in the divisional round in L.A., and maybe they just have to go now down to New England, uh, down sorry to New Orleans to get that win. How significant, basically, was that this outcome? It was a far bigger win for Chicago than it was a loss for the Rams. That's a good that way of putting sense? it. Yeah, I mean, and listen, and, and Sean McVay's kicking himself. You know, he he put too much on Jared Goff, a quarterback who's not play. You know, he's a, he's a Northern California guy. He is not accustomed to playing in cold weather conditions like that he faced last night. Four ints. You know, second straight poor performance on the road. I think you worry a little bit and you say, okay, well, you know, this is where the absence of Cooper Cup is really hurting them. But you know, I think too, just not working Todd Gurley into this game plan as much as they should have. I mean, he was a non-factor. But let's give credit to this Bears team. And look, a Bears team, I think, different at Soldier Field than on the road. I mean, they were so amped up for this. I mean, this, this game, you know, just sort of had the feeling of it. It was a much bigger game to Chicago and trying to make a statement that they've arrived in the NFL than it was for the Rams, like you pointed out, knowing the cushion that they have. Of course, this now opens the, uh, the door for the New Orleans Saints to get home field advantage. If the Saints win out, the Rams win out. It would be the Saints that have that number one seed. And by the way, for New Orleans, that is so pivotal. In the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era, they are 5-0. and in playoff games inside the Louisiana Superdome, they are 1-5 on the road in playoff games. That'll tell you how significant that home field advantage is. So kudos to the Saints, by the way. They, they pulled out a tough one in the second half against Tampa Bay, you know, and, and the defense has, has clearly, you know, it's solid enough to get them to where they want to be. Kamara and Ingram are just doing an incredible job. I mean, the Saints played their game plan last night. They played their type of football yesterday afternoon against Tampa Bay. I didn't see the Rams playing their type of football against Chicago. Saints Chiefs, both number one seeds in the AFC NFC. If I told you that that was going to be my Super Bowl pick, would you like it or dislike it? I just don't trust the Chiefs in the postseason yet. I mean, we, you know, it's Andy Reid, and uh, you know what I mean. I, I always just go with New England as the de facto, and that was my preseason forecast anyway, Saints and Patriots. I, I just, New, you know, because New England's been there and done that. And, yeah, they've had some hiccups along the way this season, and, you know, everyone's so quick to say, oh, the demise of the Patriots. Every time they lose a game, I mean, that's how good they are, right? Every time they lose a game, it's the end of the New England Patriots, and you have to worry about this. I, I mean, I think you can panic a little more if they lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, especially if they end up being a number three seed. I mean, 
mean, that would be very that would be disastrous for them. Of course, the Houston Texans would have to win out their schedule. You know, at the Jets on Saturday, at Philadelphia in Week 16, and then home against the Jags in Week 17. For Pittsburgh, if for New England rather, if they can get past Pittsburgh on Sunday, they're home against Buffalo and the Jets to end the season. You know how well Tom Brady always plays against them. So really, they're scot free. It's, it's almost like a one game season in a way, unless the Pats get complacent under Bill Belichick, and that rarely happens. You beat Pittsburgh on Sunday. You put yourself in that number two seed in the AFC, and I, I would think New England is still, even with the Chiefs going in, and there's a lot to like, we'll see how Eric Berry impacts that defense. But gosh, New England's beaten Kansas City this year earlier, and I think they could do it again, even if it's on the road. Texans, how nervous should Texans fans be based on what they saw against the uh, Colts? They just don't want to see T.Y. Hilton again anytime soon. How about this for you, Clay? It wasn't just 199 yards yesterday by T.Y. Hilton. It's the fact that every time he plays the Houston Texans, he lights them up like a fine cigar. He averages 103.2 receiving yards in his 14 career games against the Houston Texans. So if, the, if Houston's going to continue to let this guy run wild like Hulkamania in their secondary, well, brother, what you going to do when Andrew Luck comes after you? I mean, so that's, I just think, a, a rough matchup for them. Listen, Houston, nine straight wins, an incredible run right there for them. No team in NFL history had ever done what they did, which was win nine straight games after an 0-3 start. I don't think you press the panic button. I, you know, I, I will say this, though. I think this game against the Jets on Saturday may be a little bit tougher than what some people are thinking because the Jets didn't quit. And look, so much speculation about Todd Bowles and his future, especially with the Jets officially being eliminated from the playoffs for an eight straight season. Clay, you got to go back to 1960 to 1967, the infancy days of the AFL for the last time the Jets went eight Eight straight seasons without a playoff appearance. Of course, they won Super Bowl three in 1968. Don't think this team's going to be winning the Super Bowl next year, but the fact that they didn't quit on Todd Bowles, went to Buffalo, won that game, was significant. If Houston can get past that, at Philly Week 16, who knows where this Eagles team is at? They're a mess right now because of injuries and just some inconsistencies, and then home against Jacksonville. I still think they're a dangerous team, and Clay, one of the reasons is Houston, except for yesterday, except for T.Y. Hilton, on all three levels of their defense, they're outstanding, and they get the running game going now with Lamar Miller, Demarius Thomas continues to get more comfortable on offense, you know, and obviously teaming with DeAndre Hopkins. There's a lot to like, but I tell you what, the Colts too on defense did a great job, you know, really pressuring Deshaun Watson. And the Texans' offensive line had done a good job, you know, despite the injuries that have afflicted them this season. Not so much yesterday, but I think Houston can bounce back and be a factor in the postseason. What happens in the AFC Wild Card race? You have right now. Certainly, it looks like. If the Steelers lose to uh, to the Patriots, they could find themselves right in the middle of this wild card mess too. But right now, you have a four way tie. You have the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Miami Dolphins all tied at seven and six. I've been saying for a couple weeks now, I think it's going to take ten and six. One of these teams will get to ten and six. Who gets that final wild card bid? Well, let me just go over with you here. You know, Baltimore, obviously, Pittsburgh, you figure one of those two teams is going to get one. So that leaves us with a second wild card berth. And Indianapolis, you know, their final schedule, they play Dallas at home on Sunday. It's a huge game for both teams, obviously, followed by home against the New York Giants and then at Tennessee in Week 17. And unfortunately for your Titans, the tiebreaker scenarios, no bueno. They lost to the Miami Dolphins earlier this season. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens. And if they can't win against Indianapolis in Week 17, you know, even if Tennessee wins its next two games they're not going to be going to the playoffs you know the Miami Dolphins it's just so darn ugly I mean listen yesterday the Patriots ran 82 plays the Dolphins ran 48 
Okay, but what Miami does, they win at home. They're six and one at home. They've been winning in the division this year. They're four and one. So you know they find ways to win games as ugly as they are. You know Ryan Tannehill has actually been playing good football the past couple of weeks. It's a positive for them. If they're able to get past Minnesota on Sunday, you got to sort of like the Dolphins. Jacksonville week sixteen, the Jags have pretty much cashed it in as we saw Thursday night. Then they go to Buffalo to end the season. And I know Ralph, you know Ralph Wilson Stadium, New Era Field, whatever you want to call it, it Rich stadium it's been a house of horror forever for the miami dolphins it seems like but you know you you got to appreciate the spunk yes spunk that the miami dolphins have shown this season good stuff as always alex marvez we will talk to you next week thank you for hanging out with us and uh, enjoy those games thank you brother appreciate you fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!